All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, <laughs> Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Hump Day. All right, here we go with a billion-dollar flip-flop on the museum. What are you hearing here? Not Well, it's a flip-flop, but hitting the pause button. So yeah. Premier John Horgan today, 1230, um, availability to address the the news release calls, the modernization of the Royal BC Museum. My understanding is, and this was sort of flagged by uh, Minister Responsible Melanie Mark on Friday, about the need for more consultation, particularly yeah. with First Nations. So that's going to be the way out here, is to put this out to more consultation with First Nations. Now, you know, uh, Horgan will take some heat on this, but Alberta, former Alberta Premier Ralph Klein made a career out of the proverbial second guess, um, revisiting an issue. Yeah. And uh, saying, now we got it wrong the first time. We're going to get it right the second time. That, that worked very well for Klein. And I think, uh, Horgan is making the right move here in terms of, uh, hitting the pause button. Don't know how long. There's rumors it could be a, a two year consultation process. Uh, but the next put election, it beyond the next election, or no? Well, that wouldn't put us beyond the next election. Oh, okay. That would put it right on the eve of the next election. Oh. But if there's if there's massive First Nations buy into whatever is the outcome here after uh. consultation, I think that'll take a lot of pressure off the government. Okay, that's today. Let's go back to the, in the way back machine here because we don't have to go too far back because the government was pretty stubborn on this project oh, yeah. here for many many weeks. Here, here is John Horgan speaking earlier and defending the museum project. Have a listen. With respect to the museum, as I've said, uh, over the eight-year uh, life of that project, it uh, constitutes 1% annually of our uh, capital budget. That is uh, a modest amount to protect, protect and preserve 7 million artifacts and archival documents that tell our collective history. It's just 1% of our budget, but I wonder if they were looking at some other percentages in some of the polling that was done well, on this. Angus Reid poll last week, 69% opposed to the, to the museum project. Yeah. Only 4% were strongly in favor of it. Wow. So that tell and they all know. work at the museum. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't know. Um, it's also been not clear. There's two components to this. There's the museum. Yeah. There's also the archives. Yeah. That's already in the budget. The archives were already was already in this year's budget. Two hundred twenty million dollars, I think, is the co- uh, price of that. And that's they're building a new in, earthquake-proof out in bunker Colwyn. to put this stuff yeah, out yeah. in Colwyn, the suburbs of Victoria, to put the archives out there. I think there's general public there's support for that. There's not vehement opposition to that because that yeah. was already in, underway. Uh, it's this replacement project. Interestingly enough, though, uh, anybody who's been to the museum in the last little while, there's really not much there left. They took Old Town out, and that that whole floor is gone, and all that's left is the natural history exhibit, and I think in the IMAX theater. And it's only five bucks to go in now because there's nothing much to see there. So, uh, But again, I don't think you're going to see that big hole in the ground with a chain link fence around it for quite a long time. Okay, this is like a bungled announcement here and the government took a ton of grief mm-hmm. here on it and little, no consultation with the public. They didn't even consult with any of the First Nations here on it, apart from the local First Nations here in Greater Victoria who were on board with yeah, it. Yeah, we but got a technical... All the other ones were like, you know, we, we didn't hear about this. I, I spoke to one of the Indigenous chiefs on the island on the show a couple of weeks ago said he found out about this project when he read about it in the media, yep. so he didn't know anything about it. A lot of First nation's leaders had been speaking up on it too saying like wait a sec a billion bucks on a museum how about some how, uh, clean, clean drinking water, water in our communities how about some housing or public transit and that's the problem with this project it's framed against all sorts of other priorities that are higher on the priority list than this particular particular project and we got a technical briefing and officials tried to tell us there was consultation there was it was consultation with sort of an insider group there was yeah. no public hearings no public forums 
no public information sessions. It really was behind closed doors, and now it's going to be out in the open, I assume, for a lengthy period of time. And again, I think First Nations will now be yeah. driving the bus here. Right, and as you mentioned earlier, we, we talked about this project a lot, and you were saying that if, there, if the government was looking for an exit strategy on this thing, this is the one. This is we, the have one. To, we have to talk to the First Nations about this because we didn't consult them and they don't want it. At least in this form. And I, so, you know, and, and they're taking the exit strategy that was quite clearly. There. Exactly. And I, one guy who gets a lot of credit for this is Adam Olson, the Green Party MLA, who's also a member of the Sartlip uh, First Nations, who yeah. right away f- flagged the problems here that the many, there's 7 million artifacts in the museum. Many yeah. of those belong to First Nations. Yeah. And First Nations seized upon this. A number of, of uh, First Nations said, we'll take ownership of this, and we can pr- we can uh, present these publicly on our terms. And again, that started to open the door for the NDP to back away from this. Okay, you think the, the Liberals had a field day dining out on this thing? This was like a, a welcome, a housewarming gift yes. for Kevin Falcon, yes, the new was. Liberal leader here. They just dined out on this issue. You think they're now they're getting what they want? They've been calling for the government to put the pause on it. Now they're put it, now they're pausing I've, it, and well, now they're probably in the back rooms going, "Oh, uh-uh, darn it, darn it!" I yeah. wish they hadn't done that. I, I think exactly. I think the liberals wanted this to be the gift that keeps on giving yeah. for a long time, and uh, the NDP is about to put the pin back in the grenade, and <laughs> that's going to serve them well. And they'll take this issue off the front burner. Okay, so that's at twelve thirty this afternoon. We expect that to become. I think we'll official. be that live on Global Noon News Hour. And I'm sure we'll have it live here on CKNW here as well. So twelve thirty, that announcement, putting the brakes on the museum project this afternoon. Let's talk about another uh, blockade, environmental blockade yes. of the Lionsgate Bridge. I mean, this keeps going, happening over and over and over again. They keep blocking these roads and highways. Absolutely I mean, no evidence of any pressure being put on the provincial government to uh, change its strategy when it comes to protecting old growth. There's 1.7 million hectares of old growth off the table. Yeah. That's a huge amount in the forest industry's eyes. It means a, a significant job loss. Yeah. But the NDP's got its eye on not only protecting old growth, but also on the economic implications of what this group wants, which is a complete 100% ban, which... The protesters don't want to talk about this, but it means even more job loss. You imagine people who are trying, just trying to get to work or to a doctor's or appointment or something. Through. Like, just ridiculous. I don't, what do they expect hoping to prove here? I mean, you're trying to change the hearts and minds of people on climate change and old growth logging, and you do it by pissing people off, well, making I mean, them late for work. And a whole bunch of automobiles idling in traffic, yeah. spewing fumes into the air at yeah. much greater levels than otherwise. And again, when you block the Lionsgate Bridge, you're blocking first responders. You're yeah. blocking people to get to cancer treatment appointments. This is not just people going downtown to shop or to go to their offices. There's a lot of yeah. uh, essential services that are blocked as a result of these blockades, and the like public is not buying into them at all. It doesn't seem to deter them, though, that it, it's, I think it's backfiring on them, too, but they keep Small doing it. Small group of people. So you and I have seen many protests over the years. We've seen thousands of people on the front lawn of the legislature for any number of causes. We're not seeing thousands of people associated with these protests. This is a yeah. small band of people uh, led by a 21-year-old who is now in custody uh, with the Canadian Border Services and faces deportation out of the country because he keeps breaking the law. Okay, Zane Hack is the guy you're talking about. He's 21 years old. He's originally from Pakistan. He is a Simon Fraser University history student, and he's been the leader, one of the leaders of these blockades. He's been on this show in the past, and yeah, he has now been, uh, what, are they trying to deport him? Is that well, what's going he, on? He fears he'll be deported. There's, there's yeah. been nothing of that indication yet, but he turned himself into the Canada Border Agency. 
I uh, now yeah. understand he's in custody in Surrey uh, for at least a couple of days. We'll see what happens to him. Well, someone else, another ringleader will just step in and they'll keep yep. doing the blockade. Interesting. Uh, so BC Liberal leader Kevin Falcon is waded into this, talking about cracking down on these. Unclear how the provincial government would do that, but uh, Falcon clearly seizing this as an issue. Uh, and again, certainly courting public opinion. If you took a poll right now, how many people support this? I suspect it'd be 95% against. Yeah, and Falcon has talked about, well, tougher penalties for blocking roads and bridges, and he has talked about public service. So you'd you'd uh, require someone to spend 25 hours cleaning up trash on highway ditches yeah, or something. Again, I'm not sure how a provincial government could do that. Do they have that. the power to do that? I, off the top of my head, no. I don't think he weighed into the prosecute prosecutorial side here with an edict that you must do community service if you're caught blocking a bridge. Right now, there are penalties in place. Their vehicles are seized. They are put in jail for a a period of time, and they do pay a price for it. Let me play a clip here for you from, uh, switch over to some Alberta politics here. So Danielle Smith, the former leader of the Wild Rose Alliance Party Mm -hmm. over there, former hot uh, radio show host there. Been on her show. Yeah, and um, running for the leadership of the United Conservative Party in Alberta. Here she is saying, if she becomes premier, no more lockdowns like COVID lockdowns in Alberta. Have a listen to this. The right to express your opinion, travel freely, make an honest living, and to be treated as equals are at the very core of what it means to be Canadian. So let me be perfectly clear. As your premier, our province will never lock down again. And I will amend the Alberta Human Rights Act so no one can ever be discriminated against for their personal political beliefs or the medical decisions they make for themselves or their children. And if Ottawa attacks our charter rights and freedoms again, we will not enforce those policies here. Okay, so clearly speaking to her base there in the United Conservative Party, your thoughts? Oh yeah, no, that's definitely, uh, I mean, keep in mind there's there's two contests going on, just like we're seeing federally. One, win the party leadership. That yeah, means right. in Alberta, veering to the right, because that's where the party membership are. But you do have to win a general election after that. So we'll see if she changes her tone. Of this. She's also striking this sort of separatist uh, tone in Alberta that somehow will will defy Ottawa on any number of federal laws. But she's, she's playing into a, a sentiment that's there. I mean, when she says no more lockdowns, that's not entirely different than where public health is at right now. I mean, Dr. Bonnie Henry has said she does not envision any more lockdowns in B.C. And, so, and, and she also goes said, completely sideways. I also thought it was interesting she said she would change the Alberta Human Rights Code. So, in other words, you, would, you wouldn't be able to bring in like a vaccine mandate mm-hmm. for, for people who would lose their jobs if they're unvaccinated, presumably. Yeah, yeah. You know? not entirely surprising. I mean, Alberta has been um, in a different frame of mind on any number of issues. Yeah. It's a very conservative province. So there's of course. no question. And, uh, and she's playing to that. Oh. This is Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. I got open phone lines right now. If you phone right now, you're going to get through 604-280-9898. Phone me about that blockade of the Lionsgate Bridge. Were you stuck in that this morning? Let me know. What do you think the penalty should be for blocking those roads and bridges? The liberal leader, Kevin Falcon, has said they should be sentenced to public service, like clean up trash along the side of the highway. Think that'd be an adequate deterrent? Phone me and let me know. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. The government set to put the brakes on that museum project this afternoon, too. By the way, confirm now live coverage of that at 1230 on CKNW. Star 9898 on your cell. Rob in Chilliwack. Hey, Rob. Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I was calling about uh, Danielle Smith there. You know, thank goodness for her. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, Mike. But I'm telling you, we should have had a right. I worked for the feds. I was forced to get the shot. 
or I would have been laid off, leave without pay. And that would have been after, after 32 years. I mean, I worked here. I worked here for almost two years before I was forced to get the shot during all these different strains. So people who got the shot, what, they can still spread it anyways. I mean, my goodness, my, yeah. mom is, my mom got it. My mom got the original strain. She was 93 at the time. She had a headache and a fever for a couple of days. She was fine. She was absolutely fine. And, I mean, she has got the shots in the meantime. Uh, she's in a long-term care home. But my point is, is we have to have what, choice. What about, think, think okay, about Rob. Hey, Rob, let me ask sure. you this. Many so you, people you say, have died of COVID who are, are of his mother's age. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, let me ask your you this. Your personal you, situation doesn't describe what's going on with everybody. Well, you say your mom's in a long-term care home. Would yeah. you care? Would you like the staff who are surrounding her every day to be vaccinated or it wouldn't matter to you? It would absolutely not matter to me one single right. bit. And I can tell you why. If you look at Ontario and Quebec, they had put, they, they, they did, they started to do what we did here, what Mr. Horgan and Bonnie Henry did. You're not working in our hospitals unless you're vaccinated. Yeah. That's right. ridiculous. Look at Ontario and Quebec. They, they put the kibosh, they put the brakes on that real quick, like when they found out they were going to lose everyone. So no, it wouldn't okay. matter to me one single iota if, if, if they were vaccinated or not. It wouldn't matter to my mom either. You know? Okay, well, so, other people, I think a lot of people, thanks for the call, Rob, but I, I, sure, other people you. may uh, disagree with your thoughts. Yeah, I don't think he has, knows what he's talking about at all. So the number of people in long-term care who are dying right now is is minuscule compared to what they were when unvaccinated people were working in long-term care and before we had vaccines. So despite Rob what do you, from Chilliwack. What do you think, though, about Kevin Falcon, aforementioned liberal leader, now saying that the vaccine mandate should be dropped? in health care and long-term care. Does that surprise you to hear the opposition leader say that? We talked about this yesterday, and it surprised B.C. Liberals as well. I've talked to liberals who are saying, where where did that come from? It it wasn't an issue. It hasn't been an issue for a long time because we're only talking about 570 full-time people out of 160,000 people. But wouldn't 570 nurses or whatever make a difference right now? They're not 570 nurses. Well, Well, how many nurses are off because they're unvaccinated? I think 100, 150. Well, isn't that a significant number? Well, you weigh that against nurses? the risk you run of putting unvaccinated people in long-term care. So, yeah. no, it does. It would make a difference. It could make a difference in the death rate. It could be higher. Let's go to Mike on Salt Spring Island. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Mike. Mike. Uh, okay, we... Mike and Duncan. Oh, Mike Duncan. and Duncan. Okay, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to say these far-left eco-terrorists, these radicals, Their bank accounts, just like the freedom protesters in Ottawa, their bank accounts should be frozen, and we should be investigating where this money's coming from to support them. I guarantee it's overseas. It's not from Canada. They should be shut down. Well, there's lots of evidence that uh, a lot of these movements are funded by U.S. you know foundations, foundations, and billionaires. And mentioned Salisbury. I think there is actually an American. Billionaire on Salt Spring who does fund some of these protests. There's no question that's been documented for some time that uh, there's a lot of foreign money in these protests. But I'm not sure anything's going to happen on that front. Anne in Vancouver. Anne, you got 20 seconds. Hello, it's actually Anne and Quinnell. What <laughs> happens when your family doctor of 30 years retires? No one takes over his practice. What happens to your personal records? How do you get them? Thank you for the call. That's a great question. So you had an earlier segment, Mike, on the TELUS uh, health situation. Uh, Medical Services Commission is investigating this, and they have yet to reach a conclusion on whether it's uh, legal or not. Keith, thanks for coming in. That's Keith Baldry, Baldry's B.